What's up, party people? It's Talib Kweli, the BKMC, the MCEO. I love the fact that y'all checking out the People's Party and showing us a lot of love. You know what we do? We bringing you all the live guests. We bringing you the best podcast on the internet. Just make sure you subscribe and leave a review. People's Party, Talib Kweli. Let's go. Party people in the place to be is Talib Kweli. This is the People's Party. This is another episode, another wonderful episode. I want you to give it up for my lovely and talented co-host, Jasmine Lee. People, give it up for Jasmine Lee. Word is Yeah, wrong. I'm giving it up for me. Jasmine Lee is over there by herself in lockdown. We are still in lockdown. <laughs> we are still obeying the social distancing rules, but we are still bringing you that quality, quality, quality content. People's yes. Party is the party for the people. And this guest we have on tonight represents the people. He is a man of the people. He is a founding member of the Wu-Tang Clan. He is a legitimate rock star. He is a legitimate movie star. Whether he's rolling with his clan brothers or rolling as a solo artist, he has inspired me. He's one of the most influential artists that I have ever heard in my life. One of the only people to go on wax alongside both Biggie and Tupac. And you know what? I could go on and on and on about this brother, but if I were to give this brother the real intro that he deserved, it would be the whole goddamn episode. So I'm gonna keep the intro short, but I'm gonna just say that he got a lot of names. Um, <laughs> Mr. Iron Lung, Decalion Stallion, Johnny Blaze, Hot Nicks, but you know him as the M-E-T-H-O-D man. Method Man is rocking with the People's Party. Give it up. Yeah. What up, Mev? How you how you doing, brother? I had to give it up. I had to give it up, man. Love is love. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming on our show and thank you for being a part of this, even in lockdown. What missing for the world, brother? All right. Um, how you doing in this corona era? Do you have cabin fever? Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was experiencing it earlier today. Um, you know what? It, it's um, I'm really a, a extroverted introvert, if that okay. makes sense. Mm-hmm. That and that Erica Badu song. I got a slight. I got a slight social anxiety problem. Um, so it's not working against me, but I do want to get out and work. Mm-hmm. That's that's my only hang up. I just want to work, you know. But the staying in the house part that was easy already. Um, I want to thank you for working with me. We both worked on the last OG and you gave me a lot of inspiration and even advice when I was trying to do my acting thing from your, your, your vast experience as, as being an MC who moved into the acting space. So I want to thank you for that. Not a problem. Um, You're natural though. So you don't have much work to do. You can just go up there and do your thing and it's believable. Thank you. I come from a family of actors. Um, the first thing I think about when I think about Method Man is your incredible work ethic. And it's not just working for the sake of working, but it's turning in quality performances. You have such a tremendous body of work. Um, and it varies from, from Wu-Tang to your solo work to working with Reggie Noble. Um, yeah. the, the word for you is, is prolific. What, where did you get that hustle and drive to be so pro, prolific as an artist? Oh, man. Um, I attribute that to hunger. Uh, <laughs> I I just, I I don't know, from a young age, um, I just always loved entertainment. It didn't matter whether it was uh, from Sesame Street jingles to commercials I loved, from television shows I admired, or 
certain movies like Star Wars and things of that nature that I was just always turned on with entertainment. Never actually saw myself in the business, but knew that I would be someplace close to it because, you know, it's just that pull that, that just drags you in. So when I finally got an opportunity, um, I didn't squander it. I, I believe if you get 10 toes in and you're inside the door, it's up to you to keep yourself inside that space. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I've done a pretty good job. I agree. Um, you've kept your energy up throughout the decades. And you mentioned Star Wars. Star Wars, Star Wars has been sort of a running theme in these latest episodes. <laughs> I can't think of the last guest that we had that didn't that Star Wars didn't come up in a conversation. Um, yeah. But but I mean, as far as like even with the like the superhero stuff, the sci-fi stuff, I've noticed on your Instagram you working out a lot and you getting real big and buff. And then I read something about you was uh, uh, sort of uh, vying for the role of maybe Bishop or Blue Marvel or something like that. Is that is that accurate? Actually, I just want a black character in the Marvel universe that I could play. You know what I mean? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've spent, I mean, I've been collecting comic books since I was 10, 11 years old. So I'm well off into the millions of of dollars that I've spent on the Marvel company, even when they were, uh, when the the, uh, industry was on a downslide and, you know, they were getting stuck and, and Marvel had to sell off shares. This is why a lot of the Marvel movies were so split into different factions from Sony to Fox to Disney now and they had to get all their stuff back because they were trying to make ends meet. And I was there with you, Marvel. I rocked with you through the hard times. I was with you shooting in the gym. You know, that's just me vying and, um, you know, vying for a part that, uh, you know, I believe I could play believably because I know that world. And um, I remember seeing an audition Tyrese did for Django. And um, regardless to how people felt about it, I, I all I saw on that screen was his commitment to what he was trying to do. You know what I mean? He's another dude I admire too, as far as the craft goes. He's he's Tyrese is a different kind of animal. That boy is mm-hmm. highly highly talented, brother. On what he does. Yes, sir. Uh, Talib talked about uh, mentioned fitness and how you're getting a lot into fitness. How long ago did you get on the health way? Well, I didn't start doing the healthy stuff. Um, I, I had my gym subscription for 10 years now. I've only been working out for three. Oh, damn. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was a lot of spontaneous stuff. I would find myself in the gym, but where I really hit my stride at, and I have to give most of the credit, is a trainer at uh, Ultra Body Fitness. His name is Tom in LA. And um, he gave me a program that was easy enough for me that wouldn't that didn't give me anxiety about going to the gym, first of all that I could do on my own when I wasn't with him and wouldn't put strain on my joints and things, you know, all the anxieties that you get from working out. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, when I got back home, I don't know, I stopped. I don't want to take this on too long, but when I got back home, I had stopped, but I was having um, insomnia and I would wake up two, three in the morning playing video games with nothing to do. And I looked and was like, I got a gym, I got a gym membership. Mm-hmm. What time does the gym open? 4 a.m.? Okay, I'm in there. And I did for about, and you can ask anybody because there's a 4 a.m. crew that goes up in there and they work out. They'll tell you. I did that for about a month straight. A month straight and was like, you know what? I think I got this lit. Let's see how far we can take it. Then as I started taking it more serious, then the diet came into play. 
and I've been doing macros for about a year now. Uh, we had Rizza on, and he was talking about how a lot of uh, Wu Tang is vegan now. Are you vegan too? No, I'm not vegan at all, and it, it's, it sucks because a lot of times when we are on flights together, they give us all vegan meals, and I'll be like. <laughs> <laughs> Where the cow at? <laughs> yes, give me some meat. Where the chicken at? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, macros, um, the best thing about mac the macro diet is you're you're able to eat anything that you want to eat within your calorie range. So it was working for me. I went from a hefty 233 down to 220. Now, as an MC, I gotta say, MC to MC, you um you challenge me as an MC in ways that are incredible. And, um, you know, lyrically, stylistically, songwriting-wise, I mean, the whole shit, you have every single piece of it. And um, I've been blessed to do shows with you, particularly with you and Redman, where we on the same venue, we doing the same show. And you, you both you and Red, Redman are very upfront about the fact that as an MC, we are here to compete Right. We're here to compete as MCs. We're here like like, OK, you might have came to see all these other rappers. But when Reggie, when Redman and Method Man get on the show, it's we trying to make sure that we the best MCs you've seen. And you're very honest and upfront about that. And it and it inspires me as a rapper. Uh, KRS did that as well. Like KRS would after I was he would I was on tour with him. He would watch the show and be like, all right, that was all right. Watch this, though. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What do you? What, I, I don't know many MC. I, I I'm one of those MCs that got smoked by Chris. I got okay. smoked by him one night. I knew already, but right. it was more like I don't know how he did that, man. It's just he showed up late, first of all, and I and you know I'm the headline. I could have went on before he did, but I was like, you know what? I respect KRS one so much. I'm not going to do that. So right. I, when I tell you he came. The first half hour was all, and it blew it up. First half hour. Guess what he said after that first half hour? What? Now it's time to start the show. I'm like, get this. <laughs> <laughs> There's only a few of us out there that actually know how to put on a show. Now, I'm not, it doesn't always have to be energy. Me and Rep, man, we do energy. We jump in the crowd. We like feel the vibe of the crowd or whatever. It could just be your presence alone. And Chris has that presence. Buster mm. has that presence you know what i mean a black star presence you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying even though most be on stage sometimes boy them <laughs> shit in the lectures man he crazy as above. <laughs> yasin bay yes shout out to yasin bay um when i was um when black star was was before black star was a thing and my and my i told rizzo this when we had him on the show that and my promo pictures from my first demo tape i was in a group with a makiba moon cycle and um, we took we took promo pictures, and uh, I had a Wu Tang shirt on with the sword, with the sword because it was so ubiquitous in the culture. When I look back, I'm like, niggas probably thought I was trying to be in the Wu, you know what I'm saying? When they seen the picture, um, but around that time, I met Raekwon in an elevator at Loud when I was trying to shot my demo tape, and he gave me the Wu Tang cassette with the Protect Your Neck and the Method Man song on the on the on the B side, right? And so that was your introduction to the world, and what you did on that song was was innovative and revolutionary. And there's a quote, RZA talked to one of the writers of at Uproxx, and there's a quote that he said, and I want to read it to you, said, Method Man is a song we created when the lights were out in my apartment and I had to plug downstairs to the neighbor's light socket to get electricity upstairs. 
I'll never forget Method Man coming into my house. He had a blunt. He had some weed. He was like, yo, I came to smoke one with you. I was like, yo, I made this crazy beat. And he pulled out some wrinkled papers and said, I wrote this ill shit. Is yeah. that how you remember it? Yeah, that's how I remember it. Yeah. And we did it right there in his house. I, I even watched, I actually sat there and watched him make the beat. He don't like me mm. telling where he got it from. So I won't tell where the sample's from, but it was incredible. It, it, and, and, you know, I actually wrote um, Method Man. The, the lyrics to Method Man, I wrote that to a Master Ace song. I can't remember which one, but I wrote it to a Master Ace beat. Mm. And that was when you had the dual cassette players. Yeah. So you have to loop the beat yourself. That's and like I a would, pause tape. I would loop it for, it would take me at least a half hour to get a 20 minute loop. That's right. I used to do the same shit. And and then you would play that song bitch over and over again. And then, and it, it, you know, it just keeps rocking and rocking and rocking. And I wrote that Method Man joint. And at that point in time, I remember Michael Jackson had that. Um, it was the same album with Dirty Diane on there. And, uh, you know, he redid joint. And it was, uh, she's got. That come together. We even play it at our shows now. Um, and then I've always been a big Hall and Oates fan. And I remember one night me and Cap mm. hung out all night. We was on Mescalus. So, you know, we was breaking day. We took him at about 10, 10 p.m. So we was up to like 7 a.m. Yeah. And he had this little pink radio and he was playing all these songs. But the one that stood out most to me was when Hall and Oates came on. The first song was Sarah. Mm-hmm. And the other one was Method of Modern Love. Mm. And it, it just, it, that, that method of modern love just stuck out to me. That whole M-E-T-K-H-O-D-O-F-L-O-V-E. All the notes, man. That's the original white chocolate right there. Michael McDonald's, a few of those cats, you know? But that was that was basically the premise behind, the thought behind the whole Method Man thing. But then as far as the lyrics went, we were in an era where familiarity was the key. So you had dudes like yes. everything like something like this. Oh, I go, hey, 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 like that out. But, you know, it was all the, the expressiveness, you know what I mean? And I was key on that big time. So I guess it worked for me in that era. And as time went on and I grew more, I incorporated all that made me into the MC I am today. Mm. Wow. When uh, when RZA wanted to go heavily into the Taoist uh, direction and emphasize on Kung Fu and sample all those movies, were you like automatically into it because you were a comic nerd? Um, familiarity, like I said, and um, I don't know too many people in these urban neighborhoods and our hood areas that didn't watch Saturday matinee or whatever they called it, wherever you was from. There was a moment in time that was just stopped for two and a half hours and Run Run Shaw was watching your kids. Please believe that. So it was a brilliant idea that RZA had and the whole fact that, you know, it was strength in numbers, you can't argue with that right there. But I'll let you in on a little um, Wu-Tang trivia. Uh, Wu-Tang originally was just supposed to be Jizza, RZA, and Old Dirty. Mm. And the Protect Your Neck joint, back then they called them the symphony joints because of the Molly Maul joint, the symphony. So that was what it was called. When you got on a, a, a posse cut with all your peoples, you would call it a symphony type joint. And you didn't call it that on the record, but amongst your brothers, it, it would be called a symphony. And that's what that was supposed to be. A bunch of their friends from around their way spitting on this record. 
And, you know, being the scientist that he is, you know, uh, RZA kind of said, you know what, let's, like I told you before, strengthen numbers and we're going to attack it. Like, let's, 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 let's see if we can uh, attack it like that. I don't think Jizza was fully with it because Jizza's whole energy was turned off. His whole vibe was turned mm-hmm. off to the record industry. Trust mm-hmm. me, he still has some shit to say because he was the rawest out of all of us. Still is one of the rawest out of all of us at that point in time. And if you listen to all of Jizza's rhymes in that first year of Wu-Tang, it was all aimed at the bias of the industry and how they, you know, they, it, it didn't matter about talent. And and if it did matter about talent, well, who was the talent scout? Does this guy really listen to hip-hop and this, that, and the third? So it was a lot of, a lot of elements that came into play there to the point where Jizza kind of played the back. I don't think Jizza ever actually signed. Mm-hmm. First of all, who's your A&R? Mountain Climber that plays an electric guitar? Yeah, that's right. It. Yeah, and I don't think he ever really signed a contract as far as the clan went. I was the first one to sign with the clan, not with a label, with RZA exclusively, then Deck, and then I don't know who else ever followed behind that. But I knew for a fact what I wanted to do you know, and I didn't care whether it sold or not. I just knew it was better than what I was doing at that present time. Right. right. Yeah, so, you know, saved us. Saved us a lot, man. No doubt. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Wu-Tang American Saga on Hulu. Um, I think that y'all came together, formed like Voltron on that, and did, did y'all thing on that. Um, but it, it's, it sheds light on the, the rivalry between Park Hill and Stapleton, that's sort of a mythical New York thing, legendary New York thing that people outside of the culture don't really know about. Can you give us break down a little bit of the history of the of the of the rivalry between Park Hill and Stapleton? All right. Well, well, Park Hill and Stapleton, and I came late in the game because I ain't moved to Park Hill till I was like twelve. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in New Brighton in uh, Long Island, but um, yes, crib. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what's up. Um, so Park Hill and Stapleton. They're about, let's say, they're they're very they're close to each other. They're basically the same district, 103, 103, 104. And um, we all went to the same junior high school, which met in the middle. It was close to the Stapleton, but Park Hill niggas had to walk over there to go to that school. So it was tensions there. You know, sometimes maybe the Stapleton girls like the Park Hill niggas more. Maybe the Park Hill girls like the Stapleton. It was a bunch. It was just a bunch of stuff. And then these crews started. You had the uh, BCC over here. You had Paris crew over here. Niggas ain't get along. So in Staten Island, so small, as far as the black population went, when we did have parties, everybody showed up. So it's always a little ruckus here and there. And in my, and in my opinion, the liveest dudes was from Park Hill and Stapleton. I mean, we was fighting each other every day. So as far as everybody else went, it wasn't no contest, you know? But there were certain individuals, myself, uh, Chef, no, I don't think Chef even fucked with Stapleton like that. I don't think he went down there. But I was one of those cats. I was good anyway. That's one of the things they got right in the Wu-Tang Hulu series. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you got two places so close together with the same problems, but they don't like each other. Does that make yeah. sense? Like we should take this energy and turn it against their ass. That's you know bad. what I mean? Right. <laughs> but um, Stableton has always been a live area. Park Hill always been 
the live area, and you know, just tensions mount when you're that close together. You know, that's that's yeah. the whole premise of black on black crime that they like to talk about all the time and shit. You know what I mean? We live in proximity to each other. Who else we kill? Proximity. That's exactly right. Now, um, speaking of your time, and well, before I get to this subject, how, uh, Dave East, um, you know, Dave East is doing Method Man. How, what you think of the job he's doing? I pick Dave. I actually pick Dave. I think um, he's doing oh, a fantastic job. I, I pick Dave because you know, at the end of the day, I wasn't looking for an actor. I mean. Mm-hmm. I wanted someone that embodied New York, period. Yeah, yeah. He embodies New York. That's a New York cat right there. It's no... Absolutely. You know, ins and outs. So I was like, I could have cared less about his acting skills at that point, but I just knew <laughs> that he was in good hands because that's a New York nigga, period. That's right. And um, I was pleasant. I, I was... Um, very happy. I was, I was extremely happy with the with the job that Dave did. I personally owe him an apology because I should have been on set a little bit more with him to give him like that that comfortable space, you know. But that was another reason why I didn't come because I didn't want him to feel like he couldn't do what he wanted to do with mm-hmm. the character. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I think he did a great job. I think he did a great job. All I ask is that Dave brings more of himself. And this is what you tell any actor. Bring more of yourself and ground the character a little bit more. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's it. Just listen. Just listen and react. That's it. Okay. Jewels and gems. Gems and jewels. Um, yeah. You're speaking of your time in um, Long Island. Interesting scene in, in this Hulu thing was when you was playing lacrosse. Or the character was yeah. playing lacrosse. And I went yeah. to a high school which lacrosse was a thing. And... You know what I'm saying? So I understand that dynamic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yes. Speak to me a little bit about that sort of black experience at one of these type of schools, a border school situation or uh, a prep school or a school where you just dealing with the prestigious white society and you a black person and have uniquely black experiences. Well, um, it's funny because, um, you know, I'm a Long Island cat originally. Instead, all day. I see you, Roosevelt. Pump. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Roosevelt. Roosevelt, treacherous too. He used to go to Roosevelt Field, <laughs> that little mall over there. Oh, hey, yeah. he used to beat people up. All it was, it was just madness. <laughs> bus drivers, bus drivers was getting it too. Right. That's how bad it was. Anyway, um, the whole lacrosse experience. If anybody, anybody from Long Island knows that that's that's they big on sports. Period. I mean, you're if you play sports. You can play sports all year round because once baseball season ends, football starts or uh, basketball starts or you're doing track or I even did wrestling. Um, For me, my cousin turned me on to lacrosse when I was about nine, ten years old. That's the thing. Another thing I didn't like about the Hulu series, I wasn't 16 playing lacrosse. (laughs) I was already gone. I was a creative license to tell the story. Yeah. But, you know, just to fit the story, that's how they made it out. Um, But like. The, the whole premise of us having to deal with racists and you, you're from Long Island, you know, you know what it is out there. We had to, we would go play different teams like Massapequa. These communities got money. So their uniforms are nice. Parents showing up to the games, nice vehicles, green grass, you know, beautiful field with their own referees. I guess the referees are from the neighborhood. or what, They just didn't like us. We used to get outlandish penalties. I remember when I played football, I got called for a butt tackle. I've never even heard of a butt tackle before. My coach was livid. Like, you show me in the rule book where there's a butt tackle. A butt tackle. Anyway, I, I just love sports. And um, 
I had two sisters and on my block, it was a lot of girls, a lot of girls. And uh, I wouldn't leave that block. Yeah, like the girls and stuff, but they was more or less like, why are you always playing with us? Go find some friends that's boys. And I thought about it, I was like, you know, <laughs> and they right, let me go play with my friends that's boys and stuff. And uh, went and played, went and started playing football. That's, I mean, it's that simple. That's freaking simple. Went and started playing football, fell in love with it, um, and didn't look back from there, man. But the things that we as children had to put up with, uh, playing sports in some of these uh, white areas, they let us know who we were. They, they definitely let us know who we are, tried to tell us who we were. Mm. But, uh, you know, when we leave with that W. Right. Uh, That's what it is. <laughs> Even um, walking back, we used to, they used to have uh, over at the Coliseum, National Coliseum, they used to have these uh, carnivals mm-hmm. every year. And, uh, oh, what is that? Carnival, right? Yes, yeah, carnival. And we had the rides out and stuff like that, the cheap uh, stuffed animals and stuff. We used to walk there. And then, you know, when the carnival was over, we had to walk back. And I kid you not, it, it, car after car of white boys. I ain't really got, I ain't got nothing against white people, but, you know, this, this is, it was the time. It was that era. They were, niggas! Throw little bottles and stuff from the car, but I tell you one thing they didn't do. They ain't stop that car and get out. Of course not. Get out that car. They would have got out that car. They would have really seen what a nigga was about. Man, that's crazy to me because I had the same experience, bro. Like throwing shit out the car, uh, soda yeah. bottles, batteries, throwing shit out the car, dro- driving past while I was in that boarding school. I mean, we didn't even have a bus, bro. We used to, it was carpooling. <laughs> the parents, right. the coaches, they would pile dudes into their cars and take us to games, man. It was, mm-hmm. yeah. But you know, that, that, that was all part of it. And that, 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 that hunger there, that, you, you keep that. You keep mm-hmm. that. You know where you come from. It, it humbles you. That's why I believe that children that are born with less are at way more of an advantage when they're adults. Oh, they can yeah. appreciate things a little bit more. They're not in that bubble, you know? Right. Um, I see why my mom didn't allow us to leave Roosevelt that often because ah, uh, <laughs> ah. we weren't dealing with uh, racism like that. I'm telling you. But I, we didn't deal with that in Hempstead either because I... I my my uh, grade school was all black. My junior high school was ninety five percent black. Mm-hmm. Hempstead High School. By the time I got there, I only went for like two semesters. I, I couldn't tell you who was in there because I never went to school. But the majority of Hempstead Black History Month was yes. a big fucking deal. Mm. Big deal. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Long Island. They like they were still burning crosses in seventy five type right. shit. You know what I mean? Way, way before, way before we started talking about Juneteenth in the whole country, right, right, <laughs> national holidays. It's like but, Black Christmas out here. But I, uh, when my brother Morgan Freeman recently made a uh, a comment about um, should there be a Black History Month, and he was like, no. But they took his mm-hmm. quote out of context because he was more or less saying it should be taught as history. Period. Period. Because I shit you not. I had no idea who Marcus Garvey was. I didn't know who Malcolm X was. You know, I only knew about Martin Luther King. That's the only person they taught us about in mm-hmm. school. I had no idea until Public Enemy. Right. Uh-huh. Right. I had no idea the Duke John Wayne. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have known who John Wayne was if it wasn't for Bubba. Bu- uh, what's his name? Bookman, Booger Butt. Booger, what's his right, name? Right, Bu- right. From good, from good times. Buffalo Butt. Buffalo Butt, yeah. You do them all the time. Duh, <laughs> and all that. Big races. Elvis, same thing. It's like, 
you know where I'm going with this, brother. You know where I'm no trying doubt. to go with it, man. No it's doubt. crazy because um, people attacked this man, and all mm-hmm. he was trying to say was, look, let's blur the lines. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is this is our history, our black history. We should be teaching it to our kids ourselves, period, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Forget what school is teaching them. But it should be a part of history, period. Yes. It's like skipping it. It's like watching the MCU in the timeline that it's supposed to be in. You watch mm-hmm. Captain America first Avenger. You get to Captain Marvel, but then you say, fuck it. I'm not going to watch Spider-Man. I already seen it. It throws right. off everything else. It throws <laughs> everything else off. So how right. you going to have, how you going to have the civil war or how you going to have this, uh, the rebel, no, the civil war and not mm-hmm. say what the fuck it was really about. Mm-hmm. Come right. on. We know what the fuck right. it was really about. And then what happened afterwards, you got to tell the afterwards, people hate that. They they yes. want to see what happened later. Okay, what happened later in the story? Well, yes. no, nothing changed. <laughs> <laughs> that that <laughs> redress is so important. That redress is so important. It's kind of, it's hard to explain. <laughs> and, but what about Juneteenth? Did you celebrate? Um, no, this is actually the first year I have actually celebrated Juneteenth. Well, Grandpa, we... You know, it's hard. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't, don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm just so freaking inspired by the youth because mm-hmm. we, um, I felt like we didn't teach him anything mm-hmm. when we came mm-hmm. up. We didn't teach him anything. And it was room for the, the fuckery that goes on now. A lot mm-hmm. of room for that. They, they, they're the product of us, whether you like some of the, ways these these kids express themselves and things like they, they they're a product of us they don't it's a me 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 it was never it's no unity there was there's no unity there that protest showed me that you know not all of us are speakers some of us are better with the actions but these kids made it easier in a insane way for these elders to get a seat at the table Mm. They mm. some Martin Luther King said it too, but I'm gonna say it my way. Sometimes you gotta tear shit down in order to build it up. Yep. And they tore shit down. I don't care who gets mad at me for this, but the most powerful thing I seen during those protests was when that police department was on fire. Regardless mm. to who set the fire or why it was set, just the the thought, you would never see that shit in New York. Mm-hmm. You would never see that shit in L.A. Mm-hmm. From the era we came from. Now, you just might see it. Mm-hmm. The, the, these kids are not our ancestors. Mm. They are not our ancestors. They're not going to turn that other cheek, man. These is, this is the product of not teaching us about Marcus Garvey and Malcolm X. And then when we found out about it, it's like Neo taking that pill. We in the Matrix now, nigga. Y'all done fucked up. Y'all fucked up. Facts. Yeah. This doesn't go out. And I'm not pointing the finger at any, at any one, you know, group. It's all of us. Mm. Yeah. All of us have to be held accountable right now you know what i'm saying but for the plight of black people we know where to point the finger at and i don't think everybody's pointing the finger in the right direction because it's the people that sign these laws 
is who we should be. And again, uh, well, number one, I'm not sure which youth you're speaking of because um, the people that are burning up, they're like kind of in the same age group as me. But, you know, we did learn certain things and we learned, um, I guess, a lot more than what you learned because I knew who Marcus Garvey is and I knew what Juneteenth was. But also that's the perks of social media because now we don't have to just rely on teachers because you can literally go on Instagram and learn way more than what you will learn in your history classes. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would, I would, I would just, I would just push back against that slightly because while I do think that the social media is, is a factor of it, you know, um, um, Dr. King and them, their social media was the TV. Um, and you know, I think the social media, they, they learn how to speak as sound bites. They would, they would, they would show up to where the event was and they would speak as sound bites and get on TV. And that's where Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and them, they learned that tactic, but that tactic didn't work in a new era. So now mm-hmm. in the new era, people looking at, J- at Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, like, oh, like them niggas is clowns. Like they, they just show up after the fact and they try to get the attention. People treat them like ambulance chasers. Um, I think that the social media, um, I think it's the perfect storm of seeing not so much the social media, but the cell phone, the cell, the camera phone, the fact yes, that we can yes, see the it, camera phone. see it on tape because we've been using social media for some real bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like this whole time, like we've been using it for some real bullshit. And now people, when you like, like it's like the old adage, when you, uh, when you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. The people who stayed ready, the movement for black lives, black lives matter, people like that in this moment, social media helped us to point to them. Yeah. And, and they were able to be like, to defund the police. We abolitionists. Mm-hmm. We, you know what I'm saying? Like, but if it wasn't for them doing that work, when we, when the rest of us wasn't paying attention, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just it, it just becomes another distraction. Um yeah. but I think that doc it's like I'm glad that you linked it to Dr. King because the last time that, as far as I know, that we saw a police precinct burn down was in 68 when they murdered Dr. King. You know, and, and Dr. King said a riot is the language of the unheard. He understood that he said out his mouth that he cannot condemn a riot without condemning the conditions that cause the riot. Yeah. And um and I think that we can I think if we learn how to marry the social the social media in the right way with with the with the movement work that's that's connected to to the legacy of Dr. King that's connected to the Black Panthers in them then we really 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 have a shot you know what yes. I, mean? I think we have a shot at that that policy I was talking about I think we have a shot at possibly reparations I think we have a shot at real reconstruction of the police you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like people are people are contemplating the idea of maybe we don't need the police. Maybe we could put money into social programs in school and we don't the idea of what policing has been, because you know policing in this country started with slave patrols. Yes. People are, are are saying maybe we don't need to do it that way. And that's a and like you said, Meth, we, we owe that to the to the babies. Yes. They they push that forward for us. Yes, because I, I wanted I don't honestly, I'm gonna keep it a buck. I don't worry about my kids when they leave the house because they have that knowledge of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, that they can deal with any situation that comes into their area, whether it be police, whether it be racism, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? We shouldn't have to do it, but we have to do it. Um, talk to our kids about you You could uh, uh, go outside uh, uh, tomorrow and, 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 you know, a regular traffic ticket can turn into a, a uh, five year or a death sentence, a five year sentence to a death sentence. You know, it's bad that you have to talk to your kids about that. But we've been telling our kids that since day one. I'm going to keep it a buck. Like, where I grew up at, we didn't fuck with police. We didn't call the police. 
I don't right. I never called the police for any fucking thing. Ever. And I and, and still to this day, I don't hate them motherfuckers. I don't. Right. Can, I don't hate them. I take too much energy to hate some fucking body. But what okay. I do need, what I do need is a bit more fucking understanding to the point mm-hmm. that you give the, the, the same understanding that you would give to Timothy. The same understanding that you would give to Heather and Becky. We need that same patience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you, what you were saying is imagine if we wanted revenge instead of only justice. And that's another thing. But see, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of knowing who we are, man. We're not savages. Mm-hmm. And our nature shows that it's been shown over the years. It's like you put up a stick. We put up, we put up our minds and our, and, and our, and our brains. We put that in the forefront. You put up a gun, you know, we still have our integrity and our morality. You know, we, we, our biggest problem as um, as uh, uh, black people is we're not connected to each other the way we should be. That's right. We are not connected the way we should be and shit. I should know who my brothers and sisters are down south and what their cultures is, and they should know the same thing about up north. I mean, even in the hip hop music. I mean, I remember uh, Snoop and them getting booed at the fucking Source Awards. Source Awards, Awards oh, yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that Source Awards. Awards. I was so mad that New York booed Outkast. That was one of my favorite fucking groups. My favorite yeah. duo right there. Still is. I was pissed. I'm like, y'all booing these niggas? Oh, y'all niggas is extra today, man. Fuck mm-hmm. wrong. And Andre went up there and he said something. He said the South got something to say. The South got something to say. And look at it now. It was prophetic. And now, now Atlanta is what New York used to be. Big time. Big time. Yeah. And anybody that's hating on that got the wrong energy, man. You're supposed to be trying to add on to that, brother. Word is bond. Word is bond. All right, so one of the most revolutionary things Wu-Tang did was have a deal structure where uh, the clan came in together, but everybody could have a solo deal. Now, you yep. went with Def Jam, but is it true that Dante Ross from Electra was trying to sign you at the time? I think Dante wanted a few of us, but I think, I, yeah, I was on that short list. Um, I'm glad Dante didn't sign me. Thank God Dante didn't sign me. <laughs> oh, That's what I was going to ask if you was happy with your decision at that time and where you went. I'm so happy Dante did it. I, I didn't think that I would get I didn't think I would get Def Jam. But you know what? Okay. Um in hindsight, uh I just seen a recent um interview that Fredro did that which I knew nothing about. That's my dude. Shout out Fredro from Onyx. Um he said that uh they was vibing the Wu Tang. Uh Onyx was and uh Tracy Waples was there. That was the homie. And uh Fredro said that she said she wasn't really feeling the shit. And they was like, what are you stupid? This is this hip hop right here. Talking, you know, talking about Wu-Tang. Right. And then he said, next thing he knows, <laughs> Method Man got signed to Def Jam through her. Yeah. Tracy got me signed. Tracy signed me. Tracy Waples and shit. God bless. Love her to yeah. death. But yeah, I I, I think um, Fredro had some, a, a hand in that somewhere, according to Fredro, though. Fredro and, and Sticky was everywhere, man. They they got their hands in a lot of love, love yeah. a lot of different fingers and a lot of different pies. Yes, um, sir. I gotta ask you, um, the original version of All I Need versus the Puffy version of All I Need, which version yeah. do you like better? Um I like them all. Well, you know, because it's the same rhyme on each one. You beat me. Yeah. You like, I did my thing. Yeah, I like, I like them all. Whatever they like, I like it. I love it. Whatever they like, I love. So I didn't want to put the song out because it was more personal, personalized. Uh, you know, I didn't want to. Who I didn't want to go the LL Cool J route, even though 
you know, I'm a big, super uber LL Cool J fan to this mm-hmm. day. I didn't want to go that route and have the focus taken off the lyrics and put on like this pretty boy persona. Something like mm-hmm. what Leonardo DiCaprio did. He said, I'm going to take these these pretty boy roles, this eye candy roles. Give me the gritty <laughs> shit. I'm going to do the body. Yeah, pop right. the card, have it, yacht. <laughs> you know? I just wanted right. to be focused right. more on the lyrics because I knew, oh, one, I didn't know, I assumed that most of the pretty boys, they, they usually get swallowed up and fellas don't like them very much because I didn't mm-hmm. like the pretty boys either. I used to rock with Kane. Then when Kane started getting pretty on him, I was like, I don't fuck with Kane. No <laughs> you ain't like you take the chocolate, chocolate, chocolate out of him? Right. Yeah, I was like, I don't fuck with Kane no more. Prince Niggas can rob his ass off, but I ain't fucking with Kane no more. Kane might fuck my bitch. Forget Kane. You <laughs> <laughs> like the pretty boys and the rough boys the same. Well, me yeah, too. I, trust me, I get it, because MC Light came out with that rough neck, and they, they was out there looking for him. <laughs> it's out there looking for them. Then when they got some of that thug love, they was like, What's thug love? Oh, you know <laughs> Rest in peace to, to John Witherspoon. He said, he yeah. said, What's what's thug and love? That's when somebody come in and 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 then while they making love to you, they beat you over the head and steal your purse. Steal your purse. <laughs> Knock you over the head. Steal your fucking purse. <laughs> thug and love. <laughs> oh shit. Um love the lyrics of but it's um, it's funny that you mentioned the lyrics because that to me, I, I'll be honest with you, Meth. That is the funniest part of that record because you know you coming from a at that time in your life at, with those lyrics, you coming from a real sort of tangible minded five percent based philosophy in terms of how you saw romance and love. You're like all that romance crap, nah. Like we ain't on those Valentine cards and all that shit. It's like you my nigga. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, like, no, we don't need that. We don't need that to show our love. Ours is internalized. More than that's me. right. But that song is like one of the most romantic hip hop songs of all time where you like, mm-hmm. I ain't giving you shit. Like, I ain't giving you no birthday wishes. No, when we not doing none nah, of that romantic nah. shit. And girls are like, oh, Method Man, he's so romantic. The presence, because I, I think they understood what the present mm-hmm. was. The actual present was the presence. That's you know? right. Yeah, that's what it was. You that's got right. mad love to give. <laughs> you my nigga. <laughs> right. <laughs> you my nigga. Now, um, I, I read about you talking about uh you know, you work with Big and you work with Pac. Um well first before I ask you this question, tell me about you meeting Big and, and doing the what? I met Big outside the mutes. It was um you know I used to have those conventions. Yeah. Music seminars. And there was one in New York. I think RZA and Kappa battled that year. Got their asses kicked. Supernat. Ate their asses Oh, up. Supernat. <laughs> Shout out to Supernatural. <laughs> Shout out to Supernat. You big head. Let it be. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so the I remember my boy Ruckus, and this was before Wu-Tang even really got on. We were still riding with the Protect Your Neck Method Man single. My boy Ruckus had got a uh, promo tape. They used to give out promo tapes and shit like that. And it was the... Uh, I wasn't a big promo shit. It was because it was, this was me and my bitch. That, okay, th- yeah, this, yeah. Had that song on it. So it might have been on an Uptown MCA. Like a party of bullshit. Joint at the time. Yeah. Because there wasn't a bad boy then. And then um, my boy was like, if you ever do a song with anybody, do a song with this nigga. And he played me and my bitch for me. And um, then I was in Atlantic City. There was another convention there. And I, I met Keith that day, Guru. Cool ass dude bought me a Heineken and Dan Smalls was working at Uptown MCA, I think, at the time. Dan Mm -hmm. Smalls, big up Dan Smalls. He gave me the Who's the Man soundtrack. Oh, with the party and the bullshit. 
with the party and the bullshit on there. And he was like, listen to this one. This is my boy, Big. I'm like, there goes that name again, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, we performed at the Muse, at the New Music Seminar, whatever. The Wu-Tang performed that night. Uh, I remember Yo-Yo performed that night. King Sun was giving her problems that night. I ain't like that shit. She was like, <laughs> if my boy Cube was here, if my boy Cube was here, she had that hard Cali R, too. My boy Cube was right. here. Like, you know what's yo, crazy about that? Sidebar, sidebar, we had Cube on, and I, I talked to Cube about how I was at the Palladium when Cube came mm-hmm. to perform Wicked, and King's son grabbed the mic and started giving Cube some issues over it. And Cube was like, you was you was there for that? I was like, yeah, I was in the audience for that. I was at the Muse, Palladium, Red Zone, all that shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? It was crazy, because even when we did the reunion, King's son was trying to get close to Ice Cube, and I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't playing that shit. shit. But yeah, um, continue with your story. Um, he, he performed Party and Bullshit that night. And um, I remember because I had heard the song. I love the song. But I forgot it was that one little breakdown part in there. Oh, and when he came on stage, it was 100 Brooklyn niggas with him anyway. 100 Brooklyn niggas with him. So that part happens in the record. And niggas really look like they was fucking fighting. Because, you know, we used to rock out. You remember how Onyx did shows? Yeah. Even the people on stage wasn't fucking safe. These niggas were slam dance, all kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So these niggas is up there fighting. Fighting. And then right. big hit then big as soon as big hit him with the chill, chill, chill. That's when it I felt like this feeling come over me like they just killed this shit. Watch what he do. Mm. And I was like, Yeah. Boom. And he had on that big shirt, B I G. When when you when you wore something in a video. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, because of recognition, you probably wore that outfit five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times after. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So when I ran in the big outside the spot, he had the Big shirt on and shit. And this is before he even shot that video. He had the Big shirt, and uh, he was like, "Yo, I want to fuck with you on a song and shit." Blah blah blah. We should hook up. I was like, "All right, I, I, I'm, I'm with it." But knowing that I couldn't do the fucking song because RZA at this point in time was like, "Yo, we're not splitting this money with nobody." Don't do no songs with nobody unless they doing songs with us. We not the money stay here. So after I snuck off to do the joint with Big and shit, <laughs> <laughs> it was a great night. It was a great night, man. That that's not the only time I had to sneak off and do a joint. <laughs> um, but it, it was a great night. Tracy Waples came and scooped me up on the low. Brought me down. I don't know where the fuck we was at, but it was only four of us in the studio. Myself, Big, Easy Moby. No, five. Myself, Big, Easy Moby, Puffy, and Tracy Waples. Puff starts in on me off top with the torture shit. Anybody that know Puffy, Puffy like to have fun. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And he will joke with you and shit. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we got into a little bit of that. Then me and Big went in there, wrote our verses, laid it down. The rest is history. I also mm. had to sneak and go do How High, too. Mm. They didn't want me to do that. I was supposed to get another single not, off my album. The, the but single, I went right? How High. I went and did How High with Redman, and that became the single on the show soundtrack. That's so, crazy. That's crazy. Um, now, yeah. RZA, RZA said that you, Method Man gets along with everybody, right? Yeah. And um, you also featured with Paco and Got My Mom Made Up. And I've, I've read you talking about how that could have been an uncomfortable uh, uncomfortable conversation with Big because you were so close to Big, but you didn't. it's not like you, yeah. wasn't, you wasn't in the studio with Pac when he recorded it, right? Like you had recorded your verses and then Pac jumped on it when he got out of jail. Is that accurate? No, but I, and I wanted to make that clear to Big when I seen him, and I did. I did, but I also let him know that I would have probably jumped on that song any motherfucking way and shit, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what people failed to understand was 
uh, a lot of people. And even to this day, I hate when they say East Coast, West Coast. There wasn't no East Coast, West Coast thing. We was out there. We was actually out there when all that shit was going on. Wu-Tang was living there in the fucking Oakwoods. Anybody that went to L.A. and I was just in the Oakwoods. I was just in the Oakwoods a month ago, my nigga, like staying there doing DJ sets from there. Bro, when we was there, fucking Countess Vaughn was still a kid. (laughs) <laughs> you know right, they, they call it the Ava now. It's called the Ava now. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> Facts. Uh, yeah. Um, I seen the video. I seen a recently seen a video of you out there when BG BG knockout and them got in that fight. Y'all was at the golf. We was out there by ourselves. Me and Redman. We was out there by ourselves and shit. What no East Coast? If it was, then we would have felt it right. Then them niggas could have whooped our ass. We was by ourselves, mm-hmm. and the whole fucking dog pound was there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Nate Dog is a G. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day. Um, the Pac song, that happened, I because I was real tight with Daz, Corrupt, Snoop, mm-hmm. you know? And they would come scoop me anytime I came to L.A., checking in, like, yo, I'm here, what's good? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And same on the East Coast. I, I, I got to deflect real fast. One time, I've been going to this dread uptown, Benny Rat. Shout out to Benny Rat. Benny Rat used to bring me to all the gates in Harlem and shit, right, mm-hmm. to get little trees and mm-hmm. shit. And I used to go to this gate for years. That's a New York years. term, the gate. The you know what I'm saying? <laughs> spot, whatever, right? gate, Dread yeah. never opened the door for me. <laughs> Ever. I never even seen the inside of this bitch. He never opened. You know what they put? A, put it through the slot. Put the money through the slot. They put the weed through the slot. Mm-hmm. I bring Snoop to this motherfucker. <laughs> Dread opened the door. He introducing us to the kids, the wife, everybody up in the spot. He offering food and shit. Ask Snoop. Hey, Snoop, Snoop would tell you facts. <laughs> Shit was crazy. I was like, this motherfucker. And I spent like, and I spent like Lexus money with this motherfucker. He ain't never invited me in this bitch. <laughs> but anyway, Daz came and scooped me up. I had Deck with me that day and Doc was there too. We all, you know, we made a day of it because we just went there. His wife cooked. We was eating and shit, smoking, playing the game and shit. And then niggas started writing. And the original song had Rage on it. So, you know, it, it started off with... uh Daz, then uh, the part where Pac was rhyming, that was Rage, mm-hmm. then Corrupt, myself, Redman, then Deck. I just got a, um, somebody just sent me that shit too, Deck's mm-hmm. uh, verse on that record. He murdered that shit. Mm-hmm. Should have kept it on there, but the record was too long. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's how the record came about. So Pac gets released and um, Death Row's such a family at this point in time. they like, look, Pac just came home. He got this wave. Whatever we got, we're going to give it to him. Mm-hmm. The way Daz now, I'm gonna take it from where Daz took it. Daz was like, Dre told Tupac, "Yeah, I got a song with Meth and Red on it." Talking about it. he got one, but it was actually Daz's motherfucking song. Right. But Daz, right. being the person that he is, he was like, "Yeah, you know, I give the nigga the song, let the nigga have it and shit." You know, they let Pac, they let Pac have it. So we didn't actually record the record with Pac, but Pac was, dare I say, such a fan. Mm-hmm. And this says a lot about whether he had any animosity towards East Coast rappers mm-hmm. because he wouldn't have did that record. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He wanted that record. Mm-hmm. Dre told him the lineup before he got it. I got Redman and Matt. I want that record. Yeah, bring that in. Daz brought it in. The rest is history. When I did actually did meet Pac, this is when it was at the height of shit and it was so ugly, man. Like, I didn't even want to go to Cali to the Soul Train Awards that year. You know what I'm saying? But I went. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. on the flight... Out to Cali. Shook was on our flight. Mm. Leaving New York. He was on our flight and shit. You know what I'm saying? He ain't, he ain't say nothing to a nigga and shit. I ain't say nothing to him. 
But when he got off the plane, he was getting off, he got up to get his bags and shit. He looked over, gave the head nod. I gave him the head nod back. So takes it to later on that night. I'm on fucking mushrooms. I done smoked a little half a clip of dust blunt, all kind of shit. I'm, I'm fucked up right now. I'm up in a corner like this. And that was hitting me. It's like, wait a minute, nigga. You in there, you out here by your motherfucking self. You don't know none of these motherfuckers and right. shit. So right. now I'm up and this is um you remember how the um hard rock what, what was the name of that spot? Um House of Blues. Yeah, yeah, House of Blues. Sunset. House of Blues. They do the pre-party there all the time. So now I'm up in a booth like this, paranoid like a motherfucker. I'm on mescalines and shit. I'm bugging the fuck out. Mm-hmm. One person came by, took me up out of that shit. Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. Dana walked by, she looked, she was like, is that meth? She's like, what the fuck is you doing in that corner? (laughs) (laughs) And that shit took me right out of that space. From that, for the rest of the night, I had a great time. Mm. Great time. Then the lights came on. And I'm about to leave. Somebody tapped my shoulder. I turned around. It's Pac. Mm. He there with Shug. Now the whole time Pac is talking, I can't concentrate. There's so many people and so many cameras in the faces and shit. Mm -hmm. All I could hear is what I got out of the conversation that he was telling me was if we fuck with anybody on the East Coast, it'll be y'all Wu-Tang niggas. We fucks mm-hmm. with y'all Wu-Tang niggas type shit. And something about RZA Chain. I don't remember what that was. Mm-hmm. But what I kept looking at was the light gleaming off that death row chain. Mm-hmm. And Suge with the cigar smoke just looking. So as soon as he said peace, we walked up out of that bitch. I shit you not, man. I was so high. I was behind Pink Dot mm. on right Sunset. Right across the street. We went behind Pink Dot, stood there and talked about the night mm. for like an hour before we even left. This is when I this is when I fell in love with MOP out there in uh, Cali because Billy Dance reminded me of myself because he was out there with shout his out, wife. Shout out to Billy Dance. Billy Dance Edie. <laughs> Word. These boys are still bad, man. When you talk about hip hop duos and shit, you know, they'll put me and Red Man up there because we we were more out out and about and in mm-hmm. people's faces and shit. And they'll put an outcast out there more out and about mm-hmm. people's faces, mm-hmm. but they forgetting about real goats like Houdini. Oh Houdini. yeah. Houdini taught oh, a lot of his niggas how to rap for real. Ecstasy was look, X? Come on. Taught him how to perform and that first just the first verse or Big Mouth. Chuck he D killed said, that. Chuck D said uh, Houdini taught him how to do perform. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah they, they were performers. They definitely were performers. They used to have uh, my man from um, UTFO, uh, Kango Kid up there, mm-hmm. and the dancer, him and Doc. Mm-hmm. Uh, ecstasy, just the first verse off Freeze Come Out at Night. These doors don't open till after dark. Mm-hmm. And it ain't till 12 till the party really start. I always had to be home by 10, right before the fun was about to begin. You know what I mean? It's like, the freaks come out. (laughs) What? I'm just saying, it's like, yo, and even his verse on Big Mouth, he was Mm -hmm. just, him and Jalil was on a whole different wavelength. You know what I'm saying? Grandmaster D also, man. Mm. But you can't count, you cannot count these people out, man. I don't care whether you rock with that music or not, or it sounds too old school or not. Listen to what they say. You got to know the roots. You got to know the roots. Like I heard, yes. you, I read an interview where you was talking about. I, I remember one of the one of these little rappers was dissing Tupac, and they had asked you about it. He was like, "Nah, we can't have that. You got to know that you nope. can't you can't disrespect nope. the people that came before you." Hell no! Imagine yeah. Chris Brown coming up disrespecting Luther Vandross. Yeah, that ain't gonna happen. That shit don't even sound right, no. do it? No, nah, not at all. Imagine motherfucking Metallica saying, "Fuck Rage Against the Machine." <laughs> right, they don't do right. shit like that. Right, it, right, it, right. It never fucking happened. 
Right. But see, when people get the, the lines crossed is when it's a battling. When when we battle, it's like a battle. It's like that that I'm that nigga type energy mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we want to fight you. We hate you. Mm-hmm. This is passion. Right. Like seeing two brothers, like a white person can see two black guys over here arguing and they getting louder and louder and louder. But ain't nobody throwing no blows. What the white person fails to understand is that's passion. Mm-hmm. That's not anger. That's how that's two people expressing themselves the way they express themselves. But because of the color of their skin, it's taken out of context. Same crazy. thing with our sisters. Same yeah. thing with our black sisters. Our black sisters got a lot of passion and they're very smart and they the they they, they are the pioneers of shade. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> right, when, you know, they start using get, get to using their, their fingers and their hands and their heads this moving is and so all that. Ill. I think the term kill them with kindness came from them. <laughs> but I think it's I think it's interesting that you say that because one of the things, one of the most favorite things for me about the Wu Tang is is y'all have been very transparent with that family dynamic. That yeah. it comes from pain and strife and struggle, but from from seeing y'all argue on rhyme and reason to seeing y'all yeah. argue in the Showtime joint, it's yeah. always like, okay, we showing y'all the passion, but when it comes time to to for the family get on get on stage, Love then it's time man. for the family to connect back together. Yeah, it's time to get the act together. Um, time to make that shit I wanted to ask you about your features real quick before we move on. So uh, out of those two features that you did, the one with uh, Big and Pop, can you say if one of those or another one, um, what was your best feature that you wrote on? Well, Big, the Big joint is up there for sure, Biggie. Um, mm. <laughs> well, I know I know the one that, I, you know, I got the most bread off. Which one was that? <laughs> Ah, the coach I hate that though. Uh, Limp Which one? Limp- I was gonna say the Limp Bizkit one. I was like, it gotta be the Limp Bizkit oh, one because that, that, no, I mean, that's that's not one of my strongest verses. That's definitely not one of my strongest verses. I didn't want to kill Fred. Yeah, but yeah, you I said the want... most. You got the most bread, which means that they gotta pay, bro. They they want to they want to have that piece of the culture. They gotta pay for it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I, I was recently Absolutely. listening to um the joint you had with Buster Rhymes. I think is underrated. Um, you and Buster going back and forth. Yeah, and then and then man, this this one you got for this one you got with GID. This verse you got on this GID with with Joey Badass. Yes. That's that, a, that, no. that 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 shit's crazy. That plug came off of um we did the uh sway that morning. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would thought on with the verses. You know about Tariq though. We already know. That oh yeah, 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 yeah. On deck. Yeah. yeah. I like 12 albums in the in the pocket already. Um, right. And, uh, you know, someone his people's heard and they reached out and uh, I was like, yeah, shit. You know what I'm saying? I'll do the shit if I like it. And he That's said that. That's a good verse. We were just talking about the uh, Tiana Taylor and the verse she did with on her song with um, on her the last album. Family. I really <laughs> love that one. TT family. It took me family, back to TT family. That's New York, nigga. You know what I'm saying? I was a given. It's like she, when she was like, can you? I was like, yep. Did you mm-hmm. even get to finish the motherfucking sentence? They're like, done. You know, and Shump is my guy. That's, mm-hmm. that's my dude right there. He from Chicago, but he a New York nigga too. Now. Yo, that nigga can rap like yeah, really yeah. well. I did a joint with him too. I'm still waiting to shoot the vid for that one. Um, he, sent, he sent me a video. He, he said he has, he was on some real Black Lives Matter shit like three months ago. Um, I wonder <laughs> when he going to drop that video though. He sent me like yeah. A yeah, and video. I got a, a, a nice joint out now, right now too. I got that shit up on my IG, on my Instagram right now. 
Good shit. And Pete Rock got a joint with Camp Low, who I think is another underrated group duo. I'm on that album too. No. Yeah, you are. I gotta get it. I gotta come the whole shit. I'm on that 80 Um, blocks. Just did one with uh, Conway the Machine. Oh, okay. Did a feature for Conway. I never thought, yo, I I fucks with them dudes. You know what I'm saying? I never thought they'd reach out though. You know, and that's just me. I I don't know, me being a they students of the culture, you know, what 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 we like about them as people who like real hip hop is not just because of the age we at, but they really that that them Griselda boys really studied the culture. Yeah. yeah. In terms of how well, to I, make the music. Well, I wish yeah. some of these youngins would, you know, holla at your boy, because I could pretty much do any motherfucking flow and I'm not just talking out my ass and shit. Holla at your boy. Um <laughs> just, they need to just take bridge that music. gap between elder and young. You know what I mean? Just to bridge that gap and shit and let them know that you know there's there's a plethora of music that you that you kids are missing because you're you're just focused on this one little thing here where there's so much more over here and here and here if you just do the whole panorama look you 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 you'd see it uh, i did a joint with trade the truth trade the truth okay yeah for that uh he does um I, I don't know my son's familiar with it he does this thing where he puts a bunch of artists that wouldn't normally rock with each other on one record okay yeah, Trey's and, uh, a great guy, man. He's been been, been a very assumed a leadership role because he was he was friends with uh with George Floyd, and yeah. so you know Trey has always been a leader in the community for years. But in this moment, he's he's definitely stepped up. Big time. He's the same dude that brought the truckload of water to Flint. Great guy. That's right. He's a real dude. Um, now speaking David of Banner, David Banner, David too. Banner. I'm gonna see David Banner tonight, brother. I'm you know what I'm saying like he 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 about to pull up on uh pull up on us in Ohio. Absolutely, That's summer camp. Yeah, we we had Team Chappelle summer camp. David Banner about to pull up. Um, now speaking of Flint, the 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 guy, the the, the I don't know if it's the mayor or the governor, um, who was responsible for that water situation. Mike Michael Moore really d- dives into it deeply in his in his movie, the uh, the uh, Fahrenheit. Sometimes he 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 blurs facts to fit his narrative. But go ahead. Yeah, Mike. You know what it is. He, Michael is is he's an entertainer, and so sometimes yeah. he he goes he goes on hyperbole. And without yes. the facts, you know, yes. but I feel like with the Flint thing, he was very passionate about because he's from Flint. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and um, but the, the the mayor, the governor, or the person involved involved with it was very, very much connected with the Trump administration. Now I've heard you speak out against Trump before, but you, the fact that Trump was such a presence in New York on the party scene, and he was rolling around in little hip hop circles, you had him do a cameo on Takao 2000. People have tried to weaponize. Your cameo, Trump's cameo, your album to say that, oh, look, hip hop, fuck with Trump. You know, um, we had little Kim on who has a relationship with Trump on People's Party. Right. And yeah. uh, she, she was saying that in her view, you can't compare Trump guy to rich Trump, the rich guy, the, 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 the symbol of opulence that rappers shouted out to Trump, the politician, to Trump, the president. True. Just True. to make it crystal clear, um, what's your take on Trump as president of the United States? Um, he's stupid. Uh, I don't know. I mean, just stupid. Uh, it's just, just hypocrisy. Uh, any, all the else. It's just, and I even hate to use this term because it's not a term that we use. He's not presidential at all, in, in mm-hmm. my opinion. That's just my opinion. Some people may feel differently. That's that's their guy. Um, but the Trump back then is way different than the Trump now. And I, and I don't know even. I don't even know if that's even a statement right there. I've never personally met Trump a day in my life, never spoken to him on the phone. That was a a, a favor he did for Russell Simmons, who was his friend at the time. And even Russell said, I rebuke you, Satan. So it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is, bro. He's not, 
he's not our president. And I mean that metaphorically, literally, however you want to take. He is not our president. And he's said some things and done some things to confirm that on many, numerous occasions. Numerous no occasions. No he's not our president. And I mean, black people, for the people that did. Black people! Word up, word up. <laughs> You hear me, Candace Owens? Candace. <laughs> First of all, I can't look at Candace Owens the same after Dave Chappelle calling her puss stank. And then also... <laughs> but you know what? Um, we're up. not going to give her any uh, space to uh, thrive or anything of that nature. She's right. a pretty young lady, but we're not going to give her any space. Yeah, she, no. she's, she's good at grifting. She has her own spaces. This is, this is the people's party. She's not invited here. This ain't the revolt. This is the Somebody. people's party. <laughs> Somebody. But he's not the people's president. Right, no. that's right. Somebody needs to injure uh, 45's vocal cords and fingers, and I'll be good. They don't even need well, to kill don't, him. Don't, I'm, injure, gonna, don't, don't, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm at the point now where it's like, if you if you can't see some for what he is now, it's just because either you don't want to see it or you're just a fucking idiot, it. period. I mean, the photo op alone right there should have just turned people's fucking stomachs, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I don't think that it would have been such a big idea if those, all those protesters were just black. But the fact that they were... Uh, Episcopalian priests, uh, uh, Catholic priests, uh, foreign media, uh, all these people, you know, cameras and things like that. It was a very bad look for someone who based his whole career off of look. Trump has I like to know what the uh, bigly and he right. and he has he, <laughs> right. he has uh, he 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 takes failures and runs victory laps around his failures and it convinces small minded people that he knows what he's talking about. Facts. Um, now, see, me, I don't know anything about policies. I don't know anything about any of that stuff. I just neither does he. For me, it's I don't like him as a person. That's that's just just me. They, they, right. That's your president. Bottom line, he can be a president. I just don't like him as a person. It's right. a lot of right. things with him that just turn me way the fuck off. Mm. Period. That's it. That's it. It has nothing to do with politics, nothing to do with this, that, and the 30, even though his politics suck and a lot of the shit that he's putting into play right now as far as conservative values and things of that nature are going to hurt for the next 20 to 25 years from what I'm hearing. I just don't like the person. Right, right. I feel that, bro. I feel that. One person you do like is Reggie Noble Redman, and I want to give Redman his flowers because he's one of the greatest MCs, um, you know, Tell me about why you how what your chemistry is like, how how it developed from that one song to this almost empire, this Reggie and Redman and Method Man empire. I attribute that to Kevin Lyles and Redman mostly. Okay, uh, Kevin Lyles for even putting the idea out there to have a month of the man, and Redman for even agreeing to do it because he was already on his way. He didn't need me. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He didn't have to do that at all. It just shows what kind of person Reggie Noble is, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, he was very welcoming because when we went out on our promo and back then promo was you, your boy, an A&R or a marketing person mm-hmm. in a van, mm-hmm. state to state. Mm-hmm. You go to you, you wake up in the morning, you probably do a morning radio from there. You go into the uh, distribution a spot or a uh, in-store. And at the in-stores, the in-stores work, too, because you were either signing autographs or you had to freestyle for two hours with everybody standing outside the damn store. <laughs> right. And through that, we got we, we gained the camaraderie. Like, you know, you wake up with a with somebody every goddamn morning. You know, y'all going to be friends sooner or later and shit. But I like the dude off top. The whole Staten Island liked him from the time he came out on the Fat Jam to protect your neck. And we didn't even have a, a fucking deal that he came out to our record. 
Mm. Yeah, man. Shout out to Redman. One of the greatest MCs to ever pick up a mic. Um, right. And you and him kind of took over the acting thing together. Like y'all went, one of my favorite things that Redman, I mean, I've, obviously I love how high, but um, I love that Chucky movie he did, man. Like, <laughs> But for me, it was like, I could see Red outside his element. He needed the same way I need him there at points in times, he needed me there at that point yeah. in times. Other than that, if he's in an atmosphere where it's some nigga shit, he gonna thrive. He'll give you mm-hmm. all of that. But if you put him in that in, in that in that Hollywood structure, mm-hmm. it's like he knows who he is. He knows he's a funny motherfucker. He knows how to project. But it's like Chad Ocho Cinco when he left the Bengals and went to mm-hmm. the Patriots. Whole different Chad Ocho Cinco. He thought he had to be something else in order to appease these people here. When all he had to do was be Chad Ocho Cinco. You know what I'm I saying? I understand. I understand. And, and read in that movie for me, it was like loosen up, Doc. Shit. <laughs> I mean, he's playing himself. He was playing maybe like a, maybe an uptight yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. But see, he wasn't playing himself. That's that's that. That's you know, you I know him. You like that's not right. He's playing that's a version of himself. You know what I'm saying? If I could watch it comfortably and be like, yeah, because okay. I can watch how yeah. hot. You know, right. that's me and him. We do that shit all fucking day off camera. So. That right, was right. basically tailor made for us, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um and but you put us in the same space. I mean, he's just funny, period. I, I think he should have his own fucking show. Just give him a camera, let him go in. He he do, I mean his Instagram, he'd be doing little funny shit on his Instagram, it'd be fucking hilarious. He won't give him the outlet to do his thing. He could be fucking do a fucking variety show, probably as funny as Richard Pryor's was. Um but you you inject a lot of personality in your roles. I mean, Father Sean Belly, brother, like that's so iconic, what you brought to that role. I had fun with that. And I, my, my, I was blessed enough to, my first few acting roles were with people I was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So you get comfortability, you you give your best performance and hype. I mean, that dude, I did like three or four videos with hype with that already. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Plus he speaks the language. So if I didn't feel comfortable about something, I knew how to talk to him about it. And uh, yeah. It was every day was an adventure. We was doing pirate shooting because, you know, mm-hmm. the producers would show up and say, we have no money to do this. We ain't got the permits to do this. Cops would come shut us down and shit. The fact that he got that movie done, he should be get a big pat on the back. He should have got an Oscar just for getting it done. <laughs> All the obstacles some people put in front of him, man. Right. And, you know, he introduced the world to DMX as an actor. So, yeah, just did you have a similar experience with playing Cheese on the Wire? Ah, Cheese. Now, see, you on the wire. Uh, my first, I'm not going to lie, my first, that first season was a little shaky dog for me. I came on set a little cocky, you know, um, trying to go off script and things like that. And they kind of put me back in my place. Like, look here, B. I don't know where you worked at before, mm-hmm. but we kind of stick to the script here. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is Baltimore and they have a certain way that they speak. You're not coming in here with that New York shit. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, it's in the back of my head and it's like, okay, I get it now. This isn't, a, and I'm glad I needed that lesson because it wasn't about me. A scene, if a scene is about you, you would know it. Yeah. You could read it yeah. and know that it's about you. But when it's not about you, you got to know where you fit in at and where to get in and get out. Where you can be a part of the bigger picture or try and take that motherfucker over. If mm. you ain't got the skills to take it over, fall back and watch. Mm. Mm. Fall back and watch. Because I've seen Denzel eat people alive. Right. Denzel right. Washington, I've seen him eat people alive on screen. That whole mm-hmm. Philadelphia, that whole movie. Anyone that was in the scene with Denzel ate them alive. Even Ricochet. Fuck. 
Ricochet, which yeah, I didn't. John, John Lithgow, know, shit. Yeah, and, and yeah. I'm like, he killed that shit. He, he did. He killed that shit. Killed it. That last scene was in uh, was it Watts Watts Towers in the. Word. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I actually loved Keanu. I think people sleep on it. I thought you were great in that. Um, I want to talk about how you approach comedies and you spoke about uh, being able to work with people you're so comfortable with. When you and Redman do comedies, do you guys just do what you think is funny or how, how do you go about that? Depends on what, what the script is saying. If we can add, because we find the funny in everything, man, you know, um, even when we uh, first walk in, I don't know how many times we shot that scene where we first walk into the um, Lowell house and we meet the the, the uh, Arab guy. Mm-hmm. And we could barely get through that shit, man, because we was just laughing so fucking much. It was so much more dialogue there. But what you got out of it is what they could... <laughs> <laughs> what they could get out of the fuckery that we was doing all fucking day, man. It got to the point where it was like one of the producers, and this is when I stopped smoking weed when I was working. One of the producers came to me and said, you know, you guys are great in the morning. You're on it. You're on You come back from lunch, it's a whole hell of a lot different. Yes, that smoke break. Right. We didn't actually say it, but she was like, you know what? At the end of the day, you know, I'm good. I'm I'm a producer. I, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. But that's your face on screen. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, she right. Let me get my shit together. Because there was a point in time in the movie where we were shooting the finale scene where we're all standing there and all this chaos is happening. And Redman is actually talking to me. He's in it. He's in it. Mm-hmm. I'm high, though. And it's like, I'm looking at everything now. It's like, I'm like, why are we all sitting? These are a bunch of grown folks playing pretend right now. I'm not into this. And I kind of detached from the whole shit. And that was the most uncomfortable I've ever felt on a set because I couldn't put myself back in it. All that was in my head was watching these people play pretend. (laughs) Because you had that good weed you were smoking. That was some good shit. Cali. But, you know, right. even Doc, yo, yeah, 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 and I was looking at this shit like, what the yeah, fuck man. are we doing? I don't know where I heard this quote, but a quote that applies to what you just said is that acting is a lie that tells the truth. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Jasmine, you had a question about uh, female MCs, right? About that quote? Oh, yeah. Every time, oh, you said every time a female MC comes out, you find yourself rooting for them. You want to see them all win. Uh, obviously, yeah. I feel the same. Uh, no Name is getting talked about right now. And we also had Rhapsody on the show, which I love. Who is your favorite female MC right now? Rap. Rap. Oh, what? Rhapsody. Okay. Rhapsody. Rhapsody. All day. Rap. If you don't know who rap is, you, you rap. Her Dig voice it. is just incredible. Rap Diddy. Of course, everything. Plus, you know what she stand for. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. she reminds yeah. me of myself. She don't want them to focus on the fat ass or the or what she got on, you know. First of all, she wants you to see her mind first. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Rap is dope, man. Rap is just dope. Right I remember when Knife first. I mean, Knife one there introduced me to him. Shit is at a show he was at. Fucking Jalen Smith was there. Yeah, he oh, liked it. he liked hip hop a lot. Yeah, he's he's dope. He's a dope dude. Dude, great great fucking vibe about him. But I met Rap back there, and then uh, you know, once I met her, I was like, let me check out some of her shit. Fell in love with her. She's like, uh, she's like, um, what Bahamadia could have been, Heather B. You know what I mean? Just those, those, 
those females that, you know what I mean? They're like, look, I can stand in the cypher with the fellas and, and spit bars. Nigga, don't fucking play right. with me. Yeah. And, and be better than them. And be, be better than a lot of them. Be better than most of them. Yeah. So I, I, I got to go with Rhapsody right now. There may be someone who comes up and I, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> shit, Beyonce killed that motherfucker. I'm, I, that's I, what I said. I just said that the last show that Beyonce is a rapper now. Y'all got to give her some, some credit. No, nobody say nothing bad about Beyonce around <laughs> me. neither. God damn it, word. You know, I've had um, my issues with them back in the day. But um, Jay, love Jay, love Beyonce, love their, their, their union, love what they're doing for the culture. Um, yeah, man. Jay signed off on my budget. I don't give a fuck. Nobody can't say nothing bad about Jay-Z around <laughs> me. Fuck you, man. <laughs> he didn't have to sign off on my budget. Word what? Man, that hard knock life tour, man. That's such a such a classic thing. What y'all represented or in that film on that I saw that tour live, but in the film documented of the tour, you and you and Red Man, you and Red Man flying around and, and uh, the right. understanding the aesthetic of it was like this this dynamic between this ill competitive dynamic between Jay and DMX and two different energies between the camps and a whole style of rap. And here come you and, and Red Man like, now we just here to rap. Like we here to just kill the show. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They had about 50 niggas, 50, 50 niggas with DMX, 100 niggas mm-hmm. with Jay. They was having like mob fucking fights where they would kidnap one nigga, bring him in their room, and they would kidnap one of his niggas, bring him in. It was all fun and shit. Me and Doc right. out there were like right. five niggas. <laughs> <laughs> like, y'all ain't y'all kidnapping we nobody. We the show like we got a hundred, like we brought the whole crowd with us, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That was actually yeah. Redman's idea to fly too, so, you know, just for the How High record. And I'm glad we did that because some nights were very Iconic. rough. Some of those yeah, nights were really, yeah. really rough. They would not, they, people let you know who they there to see sometimes. I'll tell you yeah, that yeah, you was the opener. Oh, yeah. And this is what gave us our grit as far as performing goes because no matter what, we, we knew this. We came into it knowing this, whether we were assuming or it was actual fact that we would have to work harder because they weren't here to see us. And I yeah. shit you not, at the end of those shows, Doc can attest to this, so can Jay and them. That crowd was open. They was on our side by the end of the night. And that was the year we won our best performance. Best performance. Best performing. Best performers. Best hip hop. Whatever the fuck it was. Source of <laughs> you won. We won that shit. Right. No yeah. doubt. Okay, walked, off, walked off with the W. Um, yeah. All right. So right now, Wu-Tang has always been for the children. And right now, as you mentioned earlier in this in this show, the children have been stepping up and changing the system and disrupting the system and creating necessary change. Um, but there's been some talk about whether or not celebrities should speak up and who should speak up and this and that. Where do you personally, Method Man, land on the protest and the riots and whether or not and how celebrities should use their voice? I say you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I personally, mm. um, when I posted... I got a bunch of people in my DMs. How come you ain't put nothing up about this? How come you ain't put nothing up about that? I'm like, did you even look at my my post? And then I put something else up and it was like, okay, but you forgot about Brianna Taylor and this, that. And I'm like, well, damn, you know what, people? Um, at the end of the day and shit, I'm just as angry as y'all. You know what I mean? But your anger is directed at the wrong fucking person at this point in time, you know? I didn't put the knee on George Floyd's neck. I didn't shoot. 
Breonna Taylor. But I'm part of their family that's feeling that same fucking pain that they feel with losing those people. Ahmaud Arbery too, and all the countless others, Rashad, mm-hmm. the countless others. You know what I mean? Don't think that my silence is complicit. My, for me, some people just don't speak as well as a brother Cornell West or an Angela Rye. You know what I mean? Some people are better with these. Mm-hmm. Some people are better. Some people are better at throwing the brick through the motherfucking window than they are at sitting there and talking diplomacy with a fucking enemy or whatever the hell it is they do. You know what I mean? I'm, I've never, I'm not the kind to speak eloquent. I can in certain situations, but if I don't know enough about something, if I know that there's someone way more informed than I am, I'm glad to let them speak. I will gladly sit in the back seat and let them drive like Dave Chappelle said. You know what I mean? But if you need me, I'm fucking here. Don't think that my silence is me fucking being, compl- uh, you know, uh, complicit. Don't think that my silence is being complicit because it's not. It's not, you know? And you don't know. After that shit happened, how many people I had to remind that I was black, you know? Mm-hmm. Even some of my white people, I had to remind them, like, look, I'm black, man. What the fuck, man? Yes, black lives matter, motherfucker. Why do you have a problem with me saying that? Right, like, right. Why, why, is that, why is that a problem? I'm black. I am black at the end of the day. You know? And, mm-hmm. I mean, the best way I can sum it up is when someone was at one of the protests in Staten Island. They said, where's my uh, no, they said, where's Method Man hiding? And m- my answer to that was hiding. First of all, sir, you have no idea how Boutain's contribution to not just our communities, but to the culture itself. And the fact that I'm actually a black man dealing with this shit, but on a higher level than you could ever imagine. And then I put... At the end of the day, sir, I'm not hiding. You are the one that's hiding behind the facade of someone that cares when all you actually really care about is what I did with my time. Mm. That's right. That's right. Trolling a celebrity is not activism work. A lot of people, when you know, I move in activist spaces. A lot of people think that questioning celebrity, question famous people is activism work. And then if you dare question them on what's, okay, well then show me your work. Then there's humana, humana, humana. And then it's, it's, it's stammering, you know what I'm saying? Why do they think um, moments like this to question people's blackness, though? And then you don't just go to the people in your community who, you know, are fucking your community up. You know, you go right to, you know, fucking Jay-Z or uh, Drake or Ludacris and shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who have never held a political office whatsoever. Or, or, exactly. or had a badge, or even signed a policy, or even sat and in. And come from, and largely, largely come from the same communities and deal with the same pathologies that you did. Mm-hmm. And just because someone has made it in this capitalist system, right. uh, doesn't mean that when doesn't mean when when we get the spotlight on you, it doesn't mean you automatically become woke or knowledgeable or have the answers. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And that I think people, people, you know what it is, meth people, like you said, it's they they more concerned about controlling your time because people are about clout chasing. Mm-hmm. They're not worried about what their neighbor is doing or what they doing. They're worried about what a celebrity is doing. And that's crazy. You know? and and that's crazy. They worship, they worship the celebrity. They, and, if, and it's like, I tell people all the time, I'm like, nah, it's not. The problem is, is that y'all, y'all worship the celebrity. Y'all think that y'all, y'all place a higher value 
or what Method Man is able to do or what a Talib Kweli is able to do that you place on yourself. Mm-hmm. And I might need to follow your lead as a leader. But I also mm-hmm. get the fact that what they're trying to say is you have a big platform. You can reach way more people than we can. And I get that. But the protesters reach way more people than we could ever reach. That shit went worldwide. So it's yeah. way yeah. out of context to even question what a celebrity has done for the cause. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like you were saying, what, I, what I've been tweeting, and no offense, but every rapper is not an activist. There are people that are put in place that are supposed to be leading these specific movements. And those are the people you look to for your next step. Thank you. And, you know, I don't think that we should be worrying, like, like you said, worrying about who did this or, or because first of all, everyone, so a lot of people move in silence. So a lot of people donate and they don't want to, you know, broadcast it online. A lot of people are writing letters. A lot of people are in the streets actively protesting. A lot of people are making music and putting it in their music every day. So we, who are we to, to decide what you're supposed to be doing to show that you're for the black cause. People wouldn't have known Kendrick was out there at the marches if somebody wouldn't have took a picture of him. He did not want to be seen. He wasn't there to be seen there. And it's a fact of who's willing to step up, go against the grain. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> for lack of a better word, be a martyr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think we've come to that place yet. If, if you know anything about gang culture, you don't turn on your team, no matter what the circumstances is, whether you agree with them or not. Yeah. If they wrong, you'll deal with them later on, with them being wrong. But in the presence of other people, they right. You sticking with your team. You know what I mean? Um, the biggest hypocrisy that I've ever heard of was when they were telling these youth in the street to stop snitching is not helpful to your community. But they not doing you that. Snitch. Mm-hmm. Okay, when these bad things happened before we had body cams and uh, people were turning up, you know, dead in custody, where was this, you know, you need to tell them. They have the same rules. The same rules apply with the blue line. Mm-hmm. No, don't snitch. You don't tell on the team. So where do we start at? Do we start with that? Do we... Actually, I don't know. I, I have no idea. What needs to happen as far as New York is some of these uh, higher ups, even union leaders, uh, need to sit down with the actual people living in these districts. And let's just have it out. Let's just have yeah. it out and see see things from their perspective and they can see things from our perspective. Because right now, I think a lot of it has to do with fear. Last thing I'll say about that, I don't know if you guys have seen some of the police protests that are going on right now, and they're literally protesting because they can't do the chokehold or because these police officers are getting arrested and fired for, you know, doing unnecessary forces. And I'm like, let them leave. These people that are protesting because they can't do violence on the people, like, that's the first step is to get rid of them. Well, that's that's just painting with a broad brush. I think some of the guys out there are saying, and you know, not play, I'm playing devil's advocate, are saying, um, I don't use chokeholds, but effective police, my effective way of working is being, is being um, so scrutinized that I don't know how to work anymore. Um, I don't know how to do my job anymore. What is brutality? What isn't brutality? 
when do I turn up? When don't I turn up? And not to mention that they their lives are at risk every time they put a uniform on because there are a lot of people who hate those guys. But in that same breath, if your brother wasn't over here doing dirty shit, Ice Cube and Ricky, right? you wouldn't have to deal with the, the repercussions of his actions. Mm-hmm. Right. Period. Somebody has to be held accountable. If you're not going to hold them accountable, somebody has to. Mm-hmm. Period. No doubt. You know what I mean? There, are there good cops? I don't know. I don't know. Are there bad cops? Definitely. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. Um, thank you, Meth. I want to um, thank you for coming on the show. I got one more question because I got to just bring it back around to the music. Um, there's another album coming. Is Are we going to hear a Crystal Meth album? Like, what's going on? Um, I got the um, Me and Havoc did an album. Oh, together. shit. Uh, Dirty P. Take oh, on Dirty's shit, name shit. and uh, Prodigy's name. We're going to call it Dirty P. That's pretty much done. We're trying to think of it a, 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 a single to put out first. Don't know about that yet. Uh, Meth Lab 3 working on that now. And me and Rockwaller are trying to put together an EP of um, some of my favorite hip-hop joints from back in the day. Like, uh, I'm still number one. Uh, mm-hmm. MC Ultra Magnetic. You're talking about doing them over? Doing them joints yeah, over? Yeah, doing those beats, but Rockwaller-esque. I was talking about Rockwaller today. I was listening to some of the, the beats from that Rockwaller era. Like that, there was an era of of hip hop music where Rockwaller simultaneously had the streets and the clubs and the world. Like f- fucking with like Christina Aguilera and, and all that. Like Rockwaller sound. Oh, that was Timberland on that beat. Oh yeah, okay, the Timberland moment. Oh yeah, 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 Timberland yeah. came with that sound and everybody jumped on it. Yeah, like Rockwaller was so important. Uh, you know, just listening to that, to that vert, to, to to the song that you and Redman did. Yeah, um, Rock, the Rock, Wallace. Rock owe me a lot for that shit. I'm gonna say it right now. <laughs> I named that song Rockwaller. Yeah, man. I put his that, name that, on the bitch. The sounds in that. The sounds in that. Because you know, Wu Tang and Redman both come from samples, like like the sample era. And but y'all sound is so natural on that rock wallaby, even though it was no samples. And I think that's really a, a, an under underappreciated uh, contribution he's made to the game. They, he made the keyboard sound like them samples. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But yeah, but, you man. Know, um, Dana, you know why? Because uh, he's church. Okay. Okay. He's church. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's music off top. Yeah, Red yeah, man, yeah, church. Yeah. Red played drums in church. So, yeah. yeah. Read a DJ have- too. Musically inclined, very much so. Are you gonna have any songs on the new uh, Power Show that you're on, the Untitled? No. Nah. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I did get a love scene. Though, I think they did that show. Oh, I think they did. That show, <laughs> All right. Hey, you did a great. My- you did great work on the Deuce too, brother. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. That looks Thank fun. You. And you know what? Those are the same people from The Wire. I was uncomfortable yes, with yes. them in the beginning, got to know them. Now it's like. It's clockwork right now, you know. That was that was fun. That was fun. Maggie Gyllenhaal is fucking. She's I love her she's to great. death. She's she's dope. She's dope. I wouldn't be great. surprised if she had BLM up on her fucking page right now. She's I think so she live funny. in Brooklyn. I think actually she live in in Park Slope. I think right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah, man, Method Man has graced the people's party with his presence, and I'm humbled and I'm honored. People, give it up for Method Man. This was wonderful. 
Respect, respect. Thank you, All you female MCs out there, man. I meant that shit, man. I'm always rooting for y'all. Keep it going and shit. Even the new ones. Make the style. Uh, all of y'all. Just just go. Nikki, even no Nikki. That's Nikki for this. Yeah. I heard it straight. Yeah. From the guy's mouth. Damn right. Yeah.